0: Thank you so much, Sophia, for reading for us from Scripture Reading. We're going to continue our sermon series called BLESS. Um, I think last time I checked, uh, I kind of been quizzing all of us uh, on the acronym BLESS, and I think everyone's doing pretty well. So what I'm actually going to do today is, earlier uh, Phyllis had uh, in our um, prayer point there talked about Frank. And so um, I have the privilege of sharing and preaching two weeks ago in our Chinese services, and I shared a little bit about... Uh, The need to pray for our non-believers and we use that list here as well, the acronym. So I want you to type it in your chat box. See if you remember what does the acronym Frank represent. So what is F? What is R? What is A? What is N? And what is C? Okay, so let's, let's take a moment to type it in in your chat. What is, what does Frank stand for? Because it's kind of hard to pray for Frank unless you have a friend named Frank with the K, right? So, so uh, what, what, what are, what do those acronyms stand for? F R A N A F R A N C. Awesome. And I think all of us have one of those, right? We have friends F stand for friends, R stand for relatives, A stand for acquaintances, people, maybe you just come across, you don't know very well. Uh, and neighbors, physical neighbors, uh, C is if you're in school, classmates, or you're working, co-workers, right? So those are categories of people that we uh, need to invest in praying for and also invest in relationship with. And the whole idea of this sermon series, Bless, is we is from Genesis chapter 12. We saw God called Abraham to, to bless him, but also to be a blessing to others. And if you remember Genesis chapter 12, 2 says to the world, to the nations, and the same thing is true not just for Abraham. Jesus Himself lived a perfect blessed life. He came, bless us, and be a blessing to us, and also call us to be a blessing to the world. Um, if you want to write down one thing about this sermon series, it's really about how can we bless others, use bless others in a way that will bring people who are far away from God, closer to God, or to, to make a decision, come to know God and surrender their lives to God. And, and it certainly involves word and we'll talk about it in two weeks, but also involves praying. We talked about how it is important for us to begin with prayer and continue to pray like praying going go are hand in hand. We need to pray for our Frank. We're going to pray for those who are far away from God as the Lord's prayer reminds us we can't do it on our own. God's kingdom have become on earth as it is in heaven. It is not only through, it's not our ability, our, our ability, our, we cannot have the eloquence to convince people. So we need to ask God. Um, so we talked about, uh, two, uh, two weeks ago about listening, how important it is for us to listen to the story of people's lives, listen to their concern, listen to what are they struggling with so that we can invest and know how best to serve them. Uh, oftentimes when we think of evangelism, we think of just talking. And yes, we must preach with, the, with with words. But also we need to preach starting with listening so that we know how we can bring the gospel that can, that can answer some of the questions, struggles that they're going through. People are far away from God going through. So today we're going to move to E, which all of you should remember is EAT. E stands for eating together. Okay, so today we're going to talk about eating together, but I want to share with you a, a, a story. Uh, when I first moved to San Diego from Hong Kong, um, I was in eighth grade and I moved to, that would be my, uh, I was in, a, uh, before I moved, I was in a new school in Hong Kong. So within three years, I was at three different schools. Some of you can relate to this because you have been in a different environment, different school. Maybe you moved to America, maybe you moved to a different school. Um, but in fact, my first two years in San Diego, I moved to two different schools because I was there for middle school, eighth grade. Then I moved to a high school in ninth grade. So if you add on two years before that, when I was in Hong Kong, I was in a different school. For three years, I was at three different schools. And one of the most vivid moment I have was the first day. I went to school. I have a, a sandwich, a ham sandwich with mayo. My mom packed me. I walked in the cafeteria. I've never been more intimidated. Uh, just so you know, where I lived, where I moved to, is nothing like SGV. There are very few Asians. Um, there are a lot of uh, different ethnicities, but Asians. I walked in that dining, uh, dining cafeteria with my sandwich in hand. Everybody has someone to sit with. I walked in, sad little boy, eighth grade, spoke broken English with a sandwich, not knowing should I go sit in the corner or should I just leave the cafeteria, pretend I'm never there? Or should I just like eat as fast as I can and just go run to the basketball court and play basketball by myself? And some of you probably have experienced that before, just that loneliness. Not knowing anybody and you enter an environment and say, this is really, really awkward. Maybe you've done it at school. I've had the same feeling when I've gone to conferences on my own. Everybody has a group that they're going with and you're going and it's like, oh, unless you're extroverted, which I'm not, you just feel like I'm, it's so strange. You feel like everyone is looking at you. You're not connecting with anybody. You don't know anybody and it can feel very, very lonely. But I remember that day, that first day, this guy came by and just sat next to me. He just asked my name. I just sat in the corner. He just came by and asked my name, where I'm from, uh, with what what uh broken English I had. I explained to him and how I moved and we had lunch. And ever since then, this guy I had lunch with until I graduated from high school. We moved to the same high school, and it was just a simple, simple thing. It made me feel like I had a friend. It made me feel like I belong. When in reality, you know, there is so many people that could have done that, but yet that one person, for out of his kindness, saw me by myself and came and eat with me. Like eating can be such a simple thing, you know. We all eat. Like I doubt any of you didn't eat for like at least the last twenty-four hours. But as we will see, it can be a powerful thing, not just in a friendship level, but it can be a powerful, powerful thing as we bless other people. Uh, a couple of years ago, I read a book called "Never Eat Alone." It is not a, uh, a a a um Christian book. It is actually a secular book, a business book. I was so challenged because. If the business world know how important it is to never eat alone, the whole premise of the book is how can you build relationship and network so you can grow your business? The whole premise is don't go to lunch on your own. Go eat with somebody. That's how you build your business and build network. And if the secular world knows how important it is, how much more do we as Christians need to know that we have an ability to connect with people beyond building a business? We can leverage Eating for the glory of God. First Corinthians chapter 10, 31, right? Eat and drink for the glory of God. Sometimes we're like, how do I do that? Guess what? You could do that. You could eat for the glory of God because when if you eat for the right reason, not just feeding yourself uh, with physical food and energy, you could. You could do it. And that's what we see today in today's story. Uh, Jesus actually is a very missional eater. Jesus doesn't just eat because he's hungry. Think about it. When you think of Jesus' work on earth, what are some of the things that you guys think of? What's the first thing you think of that Jesus Like Probably miracles, right? Healing. Like, Jesus taught well. Prayed to walk on water. Last week we looked, Jesus died on a cross raised from the dead. Like, all these amazing things. But did you know that Jesus actually ate? Ate for the glory of God. Jesus ate with a missional mindset. He ate. Jesus saved the world. One of the ways he saved the world and blessed the world is what? Eating with people. And this is exactly what we saw. You know, one of all the, you think through Jesus' life. First miracle of Jesus. You know where he was? Wedding feast. Wedding feast. He turned water into wine. It was Food is involved with food. Biggest miracle Jesus performed aside from raising from the dead, uh, Lazarus out in his own life, feeding a five thousand. He fed five thousand, likely ten thousand people. One of the biggest miracle has to do with food. Think about last week when we talk about the Last Supper, where it institutes communion. Where Jesus point used that setting to point to his uh, eventual death. Represent the forgiveness of our uh, That paid for our sins. Forgiveness of our sins. The Last Supper. Guess what it has to do with? Food. It was at that table when Jesus, before he ate, he served the disciples. He ate with the disciples and he said, look at the food that you're eating. The bread and the cup. It represents me. Jesus leverage food. In instructing his disciples. Calling them to remember him from now on. And today we're still observing. And remembering Christ through that way. Even after resurrection. What did Jesus do after he was resurrected? He showed up to the believers. And the disciples. One of which to his disciples. What Jesus caught fish. And cooked breakfast for his disciples. I think you got my drift. Eating was part of what Jesus did. And he did not just do it. For no reason, because there's something spiritual, there's something powerful when we're in relationship eating, and and God use that to bring people far away from God. It can be a very sacred thing. So that's what we're going to look at today, one of the story that Jesus ate with someone that likely most of us would not eat with if we were there. Thank you, Sophia, for reading the passage for us in Matthew chapter 9. I just want to pray for us before we dive there. Now I've mean, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. So God, would you sanctify your word in our hearts. Sanctify us so that we may hear what you want us to hear about. Help us to to hide your word in our hearts so that we may not sin against you. And we can do the work of the kingdom of God here on earth. So Lord, teach us today. If there's anything that keeps us from learning from you, God, remove those stones. So that our hearts will be fertile soil that will reproduce fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So God be with me as I share your word. Give me clarity. Help me to preach with your power. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to read for us again Matthew chapter 9. Here's what it says. As Jesus passed on from there. So oh, by the way, please, please open up your Bible. Uh, as I, I'll make reference to it. I don't have a slide here today. So open up your own Bible please. Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus passed by from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And as he rose and followed him, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Set the stage here, Jesus was passing through. He saw a man named Matthew in a tax booth. He is a tax collector. And Jesus proceeded to utter two life-changing words to this man. Follow me. Follow me," he said. These two tre- life changing words to a man who is called Matthew, but was not was more important is not his name that's called Matthew, but what he does. Matthew was a tax collector. What that means is for us, many of us it, that that seem very foreign, like tax collector. What's the big deal? You grow up in church, you know, perhaps that tax collectors are not friendly people. At least people back then did not like. Tax collectors. They are not the boy scouts. They're not the, the philanthropists. They're not the people whom the community likes because they are the one who cheat and lie to the Jews. They are the liaison to take money on behalf of the Roman empires from the Jewish people. But on top of that, they're not just taking taxes for the government. They, these people are usually very greedy. And what they do is they take an extra sum for themselves. So they so people within the community hated them. People in the community they, thought of them as traitors. And so oftentimes these are very rich people. These are the people that they will people will walk by the street, will want to stay away from them as much as possible, or crowd at them, and even some want to attack them. And so no one want, wants to be with the tax tax collector at that date and during that time. And yet Jesus showed up on this scene and said to this man whom everyone hates, everyone wants to stay away from. Like think for yourself, like this might be the person to bully at your school. Or this person may be the person that at work, no one, everyone knows that he's up to no good. Think of the person at, at the, at the, at the restaurant, the waiter that, that you never call on because you know that waiter is a terrible waiter. Is that person that's the text collector. And Jesus went on and said, follow me. And by the grace of God, Matthew responded. Matthew actually followed Jesus. In verse 9, it says, and he rose and followed him. Jesus, God has prepared Matthew heart to follow the one true God, the Savior of, uh, and Lord Jesus Christ. And so Matthew followed him. But what I wanted you to notice is immediately what happened after that. In verse 10, it says, as Jesus reclined at table in the house. I want to stop right there. When we look at the word recline, you might just think, oh, Jesus was just chilling in Matthew's house. On some level, it is true. But in actuality, actually, it's not true. He's not just hanging out, lounging around, watching Netflix with Matthew. We know that uh, what they're doing actually was eating. Because you soon after that, you look at that verse, continue on. It says this, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, verse 11 tells us what are they reclining? They're laying back. What are they doing? Verse 11 says this, that the Pharisees saw this and said this to Jesus' disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, back in those days when they eat, it is a... They don't eat like us, you know? Like, you know what most of us do? We just go to fast food, pick up food, and just scarf it down and continue to do what we need to do. Like, that's not how they eat. Back then, when they eat, they take time to enjoy the food. They take time to enjoy the fellowship. They take time to enjoy the relationship. And so when it says that Jesus reclined at the table in the house of Matthew, he is eating with them. He is spending time with them. He is being in relationship with them. He is uh spending time getting to know them. And what you what 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 you should notice, what you should shock you is what Jesus did not do. After Matthew rose up and followed Jesus, what did Matthew, what did Jesus not do to Matthew? Jesus did not take him through a class. Jesus did not go, hey, let's memorize some verses. Now you disciples want to teach you all that you know. Jesus did not give him a book and say, now start reading this. We're going to talk about this. You know what Jesus did immediately? Jesus went to Matthew's house and eat with Matthew. This is a huge deal because people just don't do that back in those days because eating with someone Represent you acknowledge the value of that person. That means you acknowledge the dignity of that person. It means you validate the person you're you're in relationship with. You 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 see that person is valuable to be with you in relationship, friendship, or or whatnot. And so when Jesus was eating at reclining at his house, and everybody can see that immediately people are thinking, wow, Jesus, you approve of this man. You approve of what he's doing? That's why the Pharisees are all up in arm about this. It's like, wait, Jesus, aren't you that esteemed teacher of the law? Aren't you that rabbi? How can you associate yourself with people like Matthew? And to make things worse, it wasn't just Matthew at that dinner, right? Because verse 11 tells us, just as Jesus was reclining in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came. As if it was not bad enough, everyone saw Jesus having a meal with Matthew, a, being in a relationship with a man what, whom everyone hated. More people came, but here is so crazy because don't miss this. Just so you you know, Matthew is the one who's recording his story, and I want you to look at verse eleven, uh, verse ten, because Matthew doesn't want you to miss this because he used the word "Behold." So Matthew was recording what had happened, and then he in it he said. Basically, he's telling us the story that Jesus showed up at his house and eating. And then he went in verse 10 and says, Behold, look, pay attention. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Matthew's almost going out of his way and saying, Hey guys, look, Jesus wasn't just eating with me, a sinner. Jesus was eating with all my friends who are also sinners. Tax collector. You see, Matthew could have easily just said, Oh, Jesus was eating with me and my friends. That would have, we would have got a sense that he's eating with tax collector. But no, Matthew made it a point to show that Jesus was eating with people who are far, far away from God. Because through eating, Jesus wanted to bring them closer to God. Jesus wanted to bring them to God. And just to clarify something, the word "sinners" here does not mean that there are people who are not sinners. The word "sinners" used in, in this context, and also most of the time, in, in, in when Jesus make reference to it, in that time he's talking about sinners, kind of like a catch-all phrase for people who are evil, kind of more like a derogatory term that people are not religious. That's why the, the the Pharisees themselves said, "How can Jesus be hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners? These are the people that." We would never, we would think they would never go to church. They would never want to believe in God. And precisely that is, those are, that's the text collectors. Those are the sinners that Jesus was eating dinner, lunch, whatever that it is that he is associated eating with them because Jesus are getting into their lives through eating. This is not just a one-time shot that Jesus just happened because he likes Matthew more and he would text In fact, he has done it so much. In Luke chapter 7, the Pharisees have seen it so many times that they start accusing Jesus. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. You can write it down. I'll read it for you. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Jesus was responding to these enemies that he had. Accusing him of eating with sinners, associating with sinners, being involved in a relationship and getting to know them and invest in them. Here's what he said. Jesus said, uh, uh, responding to that. You said, son of man has come eating and drinking and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners so much that he was known As a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What the people accused Jesus of was half true. Jesus certainly was not a glutton. He was certainly not a drunkard. But the only true thing about that statement that they made about Jesus is that. Yes, Jesus is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus did not just eat with his disciples. In fact, Jesus modeled for the disciples, bring them along to eat with the tax collectors, to the sinners. If I was put another word, he ate with those who are far away from God. Jesus ate with those who are far away from God. Jesus, that's why in this story at the end, he's, he told the Pharisees, he's not the, the healthy who needs a doctor. He's the sick. The whole point of Jesus' life is not here to, to get, get, get his need met and, or, or just eat with people that he likes, people that he loves. That is okay. But his mission here is to bring people far away from God to God. And one of the ways he did it is that's not the only way, but one of the ways he did it is he blessed people by eating with them because it provides an opportunity. For that, for him to get in relationship with them and introduce them to Jesus. In fact, the eating that he's doing allows him to do what we will talk about in the next two weeks to serve those who are far away from God and to share the gospel and story of Jesus to them. We know that Jesus is a missional eater. I think the natural thing for us is to respond. And to be obedient to Jesus and follow Jesus. That's what we're called. Christians are followers of Jesus. If Jesus are, Jesus is a missional eater, we need to be missional eater. We, did you know that every single week you have 21 opportunities? Assuming you eat every meal, which I know many of us don't. You can have 21 opportunities to bring, to, 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 to meet, to spend time with people who are far away from God. Some of them, might be in your, your, in your family already. Some of them may be people you see at work. Some of them may be people you see at school. You have 21 opportunities because if you eat three meals a day, seven times a week, you have 21 opportunity. And here's the beauty about this is you're not going, you don't have to go out of the way just to eat to meet with people. You and I eat already. So why not do what we already do and leverage that? Leverage that to bring the gospel to those who are far away from God. So I want to be practical here. I want to give you something here to, to do. I want to challenge you. Choose one out of those 21 meals. I know with COVID now it's a little different and, and things like that, but, but I'll address that later because it seems like with COVID is, is go, uh, getting better. More people are going out to eat. You are going out to eat. Many of you are eating out, taking out. Maybe that's what an opportunity you can have. I want to challenge you to do this. You can bring the gospel to people. You can bless people by just scheduling one meal a week. Schedule one meal a week to eat with someone on your Frank list. Do it over online. Zoom and just talk and eat. You know what I find? A lot of times when you're eating, eating often pairs well with listening. You know, when you eat, is really awkward. Guys, you know that. Those of you who are guys. Guys just don't do one. well. And just, hey, let's get together and talk. It gets really awkward real fast. Like I know sisters, you guys do a really good job of that. You can get along and talk and share. Guys, we just don't do that well. We just sit and look at each other after two minutes, like nothing to say. But you know what happens when you put a bowl of one-ton noodle in front of you and you're eating it, it just starts going, conversations start flowing. And and that that's my second thing I want to challenge you. Schedule one, make it a point every week. Find one meal a week that you will choose to eat with your friend. Maybe some of you need to eat with your families that were non-believers, that you make a point and to your sibling, hey, let's eat lunch together today instead of in front of a computer. But secondly, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Two weeks ago, we learned about listening. We we'll talked about how we can ask four questions, right? We we'll talked about the history, where they're from, what their life story is like. We we'll talked about what do they like, their hearts? What are something they like to do? You know, what are some of the habits? What are something that they tend to do often? That they maybe they go to a certain gym often and what are their hurts? What are some pains that they're in, in their lives? What I want you to do when you schedule that lunch, schedule that dinner, ask that those questions, spend time listening to them. One kind of fun thing is that, uh, you know, when you ask the question, they answer, then you don't talk a lot. You just kind of eat, you get to eat, right? Um, you know, so, so if you, you want to, you know, give you an opportunity to listen. And I think that's really important for you. you. Is there something about food that let the guards down when people eat together? It bonds you and, and it gives you an opportunity to listen to your friend. I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. I, don't, I can barely have time to eat with my family. Here's why I want to challenge you. Maybe by doing this, God can use this to recalibrate your life. Maybe some of us are so out of rhythm because of COVID. Maybe by just doing this simple thing, God can use it to to rearrange your rhythm so that you'll be more on rhythm in your own life and school and work, but also to be on mission for God. So why not give? just be intentional about this and let God use it perhaps to change some of the things that, that have gone out of rhythm, out of sync in your life, and now you can start having a healthy rhythm. Both in, and not just in just being missional to those who are far away from, but also the rest of your life. some of you are also saying, I don't know what to say. I'm not a social person. I'm an introvert. I don't, I'm not a conversationalist. I don't know how to talk. But what if this is an opportunity for you to experience God? God never called us to go reach the world for Christ because Based on your personality, based on your you know your makeup, we're all called to do that. but this might be just a breakthrough in your spiritual life to see God work in your life that you've never seen before. There are certain things that we' more natural to there are certain things some of them, one might be more conf- uh, better in conversation. But the calling to bring the blessed people who are far away from God so that they will come to know Jesus, that's a calling for all of our lives. So this might be a chance for you to experience something you've never experienced from God before. And maybe it will propel you to grow. So why not commit yourself to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to serve you in this way. I want to bless someone eating when I don't know what to say, but I'm going to trust that God, you will give me words to say. Tell me to be good listeners so I can follow up with with with, with comment. Follow up with a, encouragement. Maybe some of you are saying, I don't know how to cook. Well, go take out, buy your friends some food, order it up, and send it to their house, and say let's have a, let's have lunch together. They would appreciate that. Maybe you don't know. You, maybe once COVID opened up, you're like, I don't want to clean my house. Ask your ask your wife, your husband, your your siblings to clean the house. Make it a team work. See, there's no downside of doing this. Joke, you know, all joke aside, this is what God called, and it is something that we already do. We already eat. I want to share with you two, two stories about my own life. Hopefully it will encourage you. One is a negative, uh, negative experience. One is a positive experience. I, one is a failure. One I, I believe is a, is a victory. So, um, when I was working before I came to our church here as a pastor, I work at Caltech. Many of you know, um, back in those days, uh, we just um, got married and um, I was part-time school and seminary. So my days are pretty packed. And uh what happened is I went as I was working at Caltech. Uh, my coworkers oftentimes would come into my cubicle and go, hey, Ben, you want to go get lunch? Or at least go eat lunch together. Uh, i I've, I've done it here and there, but then after a while my 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 life just got a little busier, and I realized I needed the time for lunch to do my homework for my class and uh, Hannah at the time was working night shift, so I, there's just a lot of things going on. I'm trying to squeeze every minute out of it so after a while, I started saying no to those lunches and and just so that I can use that time for uh reading for my class to do my home write my paper. Um uh, after a while I realized, I know, start noticing that my coworkers stopped asking me out for lunch. Uh, they stopped coming by and knocking an ass and, and so I know that, um probably they got the hint that they've asked a few times, probably I'm gonna say no. And I remember one day thinking like, wait, why are they, ar- why did they stop asking me? then I realized it's because I was the one who's been saying no. And I was really convicted by the Lord. And, and you know, I'm here. I am studying to be a pastor, studying God's truth. And yet I'm sacrificing the very opportunity God had planted me at that workplace. You know, during work time, we can't talk a lot. But then lunchtime is where I get to know them. All I needed to do is just spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes eating with them, getting to know them. If I do it every day, five days a week, that's five times a week I get to be invested in investing into these people's lives who are far away from God. But all I knew, all I did was I would just, I, again, nothing wrong with being studious and all that, but I was so convicted that this is exactly what God is calling me to do. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else to replace that. And I remember just regretting, man, how can I lose those opportunities? I got to eat anyway. Why don't I eat with them? So later on, instead of eating lunch, uh, we ended up uh, spending time outside and do, playing basketball and all that. So, so that kind of that really challenged me to to leverage what I'm already doing to to be with them. So that was a success story I, I shared that to you because I know many of us can easily do the same thing. Maybe at school, maybe instead of making up your homework, do it, do it well the night before and get it done so that maybe when you return to school in person, you can actually spend the time to be with those who are far away from it or those of us who are working. I missed that opportunity by the grace of God. I can make, I can use another opportunity to do that. I was convicted by that. So I want to spare you, um, the mistake so that you will be encouraged to do that. Uh, here's the second story. of uh, um, our kids are involved in the basketball team and every year our, our, Hannah and I love to host a end of the season party for our whole team, for our kids team, usually two, or th- two teams together or sometimes separate. Um, I think last time we did it, um, most people are gone. And so we always have a great time. Again, so it involves food. And so they get to come to our house and they always are shocked that, wow, a pastor can throw a party. You know, I was like, a pastor is a human too. Like we like party. We like food, you know? So, so they, when they come to our house and they enjoy it and then, um, this particular time, uh, a family stayed behind. Uh, they, they feel bad that, that everyone left and so to stay behind and they help us clean up. And then I thought that after, afterwards they would leave. But instead, what happened is we moved from our backyard into our living room. And they just spent hours, like literally hours <laughs> at our house. And our kids are playing and me and Hannah and, and this couple, we just talked. Like I never expected to know some of the family story, that things like that he had gone through. And they just share very openly to us what what their lives is about. And to this day, they are the people that we're praying that God will help uh bring them to Himself. You know, from simple eating outside to them feeling comfortable, even spending a house. In, in fact, they were gonna stay longer. They they just feel bad that they were at house for so long. They they were like, Oh, it's almost dinner time. We from daytime to dinner time. They, they they said we want to do it again, and they feel comfortable. And now, even now we get to text with them once in a while and catch up, and they appreciate they know how much we love them. And we're praying and praying hard that, that as we continue to minister to them, they will be open to the gospel. We, we, we share the gospel in bits and pieces with them. We share why we do what we do with our family, but we are that, that opportunity open us a way to build into their lives. And so I share this with you because what if you're eating with someone is the only way that keep them from knowing God? A simple meal will open you an opportunity, open you a door. In a journey to walk with someone. To come to know God. What if just that one meal. One meal. Can change the trajectory of that person's life. Man, isn't it worth being awkward? <laughs> isn't it worth just sending a meal to someone. Paying for someone's Even if worth just sitting there with someone. A simple meal can change the trajectory of someone's life. And many of you like to eat anyway, right? Those of you who are who are who are, who are married couple or dating couple, when you go out to you on your own, invite another couple with you, invite a non-Christian couple with you. The only thing is, I'll tell those of you who are single, don't invite someone to out and say I'm doing this missional eating, but really you're just trying to date someone. Okay, that's not a good enough reason to do that. Okay, so, but really, what if that is the that is the one thing for us that will open up doors for us? To share the gospel. To bless someone. Jesus ate with people. Jesus blessed the world. By a simple act of eating. Would you be willing to do that. To every one of the Frank that you have. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. I want to thank you so much for Jesus example. Eating with the tax collectors. And the sinners. God to us. Eating seems to be. A necessity for a physical body. For us, eating sometimes can be a chore, but thank you for opening our eyes to see how eating can be such a spiritual, powerful, missional practice. Jesus, you love those who are far away from you and you do everything to bring them back to you. So God, will you give us the same heart? Will you give us the same burden? That we would intentionally seek out those who are far away from you. Lord, help us to overcome our, our shyness, overcome our our in our feeling of in in, in, in uh, inferiority, inadequacy. Lord, help us to be weak so that you may be strong. Help us to be mouthpieces of, of the gospel of blessing and encouragement to those who are far away from you. So, God, I pray in advance for every one of us this week that we would have an opportunity to eat with someone who is far away from you. And help us to experience you. Help us to to bring the gospel to that person. So all glory to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.